Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald face truth. We got to talk about Bill Russell later in the show. The legacy of Bill Russell, the dominance of Bill Russell, the greatness of Bill Russell passed away at the age of 88 over the weekend. We'll talk about Bill Russell and what he represents in sports coming up. On Friday, as part of Pac-12 Media Day, I was in Los Angeles, did a whole bunch of interviews. It's my job to do that. He really enjoyed it. It was kind of a long day. Steven, how did you feel at the end of Friday? You were there for all of it. Yeah, I got here early in the day. Uh, it was. I'm not as exhausted as you were, but yeah, it was exhausting. The challenge for me was I didn't want to ask the same damn questions over and over to everybody. So it was like, okay... They were cy- it was like speed dating. Like they were cycling through with these ten minute interviews, eight minute, twelve minute interviews, and I really like Dan Landing was easy. Jonathan Smith was easy. Like we were just talking. Herm Edwards, which people are gonna hear right here, easy. We were just talking. But the Herm Edwards interview, we got about two minutes into it, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, the Pac twelve had an issue at the venue. Everybody on Radio Row suddenly lost contact with wherever they were broadcasting. And luckily for me, we were taping the interviews while you were hearing them on a little bit of a delay. So there was no interruption for you, the listener. But Herm Edwards, bless him, uh, about two minutes into our interview, I said, Herm, uh, we got to start over. And he was like, okay, I'll sit here. We'll start over. And we did. And we started over at the top. I thought the second interview was better because he was he was warmed up a little bit. You're going to hear it here. Hey, John, yeah. dare I say yeah. the the internet going out at Pac-12 media day, classic Pac-12. <laughs> the first the, the first part was the Wi-Fi in the morning was not great. Okay, and and I want to nitpick, but the Wi-Fi was not great. You're having a media day. Wi-Fi is kind of an important deal. But then it, I I got to blame KJR in Seattle. They were they finished their show at three. And they were rummaging around, pulling things out, pulling out Ethernet cords, and they unplugged everybody on Radio Row. So the Pac-12 scrambled to their credit. I texted uh, the Pac-12 uh, VP of Communications the minute it happened, and within like 90 seconds they had somebody up there rummaging around trying to find out who unplugged what. But, like, yeah, it was like one of those moments where everybody was going, is this happening at Big Ten Media Day? And, and you're right. But, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it happens, I guess. I'll, I'll blame KJR, too. I would have been more upset had we been live on air at that moment because it would have pissed me off because I, I would have been like, but, it, you know, luckily the only thing that was damaged was we lost about eight minutes of Herm and I talking while we thought we were still <laughs> we were still connected and we weren't. So we had to start all the way over. Here's that second run with Herm Edwards, Arizona State football coach. Let's talk about expectations. Media day, the polls come out. You've seen them? No, I don't look at it. You don't look at it. I've never have. Don't you like your team to see it, though, if you're not picked high? Like, we're, never, no. we're never picked high. So, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I know. You think we worry about that stuff? No, I've not really. This, I've been doing this too long. I, I don't worry about it. It's not about what other people think. It's about what you think as a team. 
I mean, I don't, and it, it, that's great. I love when, look, I've done your job. Yep. Okay. I'm not saying I could do it as good as you, but, but, but I've been on that side of it. I coached high school football. Okay, great. Okay. I've and, done and, your and, job. And, yeah, that's right. You've probably know? been better than me. <laughs> no, not so better no than doubt me. about that. Not better. But, but I, I think the problem that I've always run into is why would I, as a player or as a coach that was in a sport, look at what somebody else is saying that's not in the building every day? And it's almost not fair to the people that have to do that, that have to decide what well, you got to do. I was uncomfortable with that on television, too. Yeah. Hey, man, you got to. But what I did was I knew enough, and I knew enough people to make calls and say, hey, man, before I gave my opinion, that's hard for you guys. Yeah. It's very difficult. And I think that's the key is, you know, look, I, I'll talk about the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL. But you're right about that. It's knowing, being sourced enough to call people and go, am I crazy for thinking this? And they'll go, yeah, you are crazy. Here's what's really going on. Right. And I think that's really, that's why I think this kind of dialogue is important. Well, I just think, you know, fan bases, what they read, and, and rightly so, that's what they read or hear. And they go, oh, well, why, you know? And they're not, th they're not there every day in the building and see what everyone else sees. Now, it still has to come together. But it's good. Predictions are great. I mean, yeah. it's just like, I just look at them like, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't look, but I don't know. Look, I don't read it. Yeah. When I was on television, I never watched a segment that I was on. Yeah. I said it, and I was done. When I was a player, High school, college, high school, you know, you always want to see your name in the paper. Okay? Yeah. But once I got into college football, I never read it, never looked at it, didn't care. Pro football, didn't look at it, didn't care. And when I became a coach, I really didn't care. Is it harder now to not hear it or because it's so, like, because you could just choose to not read the paper and you don't see it. But nowadays it's kind of out there and kid, people talking about it. No? It was great with my players. They don't even come to me about it. <laughs> They, they just know, coach. Don't he don't he don't pay attention to that. Yeah. And, I, and I and I and it's nothing negative. It's just I don't have time to do that. Yeah. I got 115 players and a staff to try to motivate every day, and, and to get them to. We got to do this right. Yeah. I, I spend my time on that. Give me an idea, because I think you guys have made a real push to empower players. Mm. I read and heard a lot of stuff about the player meetings that are happening. Why is that important? Well, it's always coach-fed, player-led, any good team. The team is only as good as the players in the locker room when no one's down there. How they, how they fix things or how they calm the emotions of teams. And it's harder now because everyone in life has access to your players yeah. because of that thing you just turned on yep. that phone. Yep. And that's what you're dealing with. That's the hardest thing to deal with in sports now. The phone. Who, 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 is, who is talking to your players? Yeah. Who is texting them? Where are they gathering information from? And they look at it. Mm -hmm. And if they're not emotionally strong enough to go, eh, then who's I don't. I can't go down a locker room and go, man, who just texted? Yeah. They did. I, I'd go crazy. So the players have to control it. Yeah, that's, re that's a really good point, too. I, I wish the phone wasn't what it is. I've got three daughters, let me tell you. I got two. Oh, 
it's heartbreaking. You take the phone away, and you, I think you simplify and enrich people's lives if the phone disappeared. Like, it would be a better Well, I, I just existence. think it would be funny. I don't know if you take it away. I just think that every time, like, within some segment of when you have a phone, there's a point to where you can't get anything. It just shuts off. Yeah. For two hours is shutting off. You <laughs> That's can't get, it. You can know it's going to go black. Yeah. Now, you can call out. But you can't receive anything. I like that. Right? And it's just black. And you can't text people. You can't do any of that. You just have to have a conversation. And that's all you have in a day. Because like a bag of potato chips, there's an end to the bag. The phone, there's no, there's no end to no, the bottom of the it's, phone. And, it's just, it's, and, 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 and as soon as it's running out, they're like, their hands are shaking. <laughs> it's like, what? what? I mean, I mean, it, it, I mean practice is all what guys are sprinting to the locker room going, what was it? You didn't miss anything. Yeah. Nothing he happened. Did, he didn't miss anything. Nothing happened. Right. Yeah, there's nothing worse than a kid who goes, Dad, I need the charger. Uh, my phone's running low. And I go, what are you at? 18%. I go, that's not low. What are you worried about? It's just, it, it, and I get it. It's just my, my I have two daughters that, 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 that are involved in it. You know, and I, just, I shake my head. I go, okay. You, uh, you talk about 115 players. Yes. How, how do you get that thing moving in one direction? You say coach fed, player led. Well, and that's where the leadership has to come in. Because you, you can't be in all those places. You can't micromanage that many players or coaches. You can't. It's impossible. You go crazy. So you've got to trust them. You've got to give them some words of, um, uh, of, an, of encouragement, but also give them some things that you want to get established. And with the leadership group we have, it's, 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 it's unique. It's this is the message I need, guys. Yeah. And they go, Coach, we got you. And it's not like you're the coach's pet, you know. Like, I, I hate when he, and then, yeah. no, 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 good teams. And, and, you know, but there's help me to help you. Mm -hmm. How can I help you, coach? We, okay, now you guys got to help me. You've been around winners. Uh, and yes. I've, I've, co uh, I've got a chance to cover winning teams. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's interesting is you see that vision, that congruency of mm -hmm. vision, it's top down. Every person at the bottom understands what the person at the top is trying mm -hmm. to do. But I always feel like in football it's challenging because of the bodies, the, the agendas, the competing. And we talked about last year, I think the question that I asked you last year was how is NIL going to affect this? And you said, we don't know. Like, this guy's getting a big deal. This guy's not. How has that worked out? Is it it's, causing issues? Well, it can. It can. And the maturity of a young man has a lot to do with that. Um, his family situation might have a lot to do with that. Um, the information that he's receiving might have a lot to do with that. And you're absolutely right. One player gets this, other player gets that. Why am I not getting that? And then the one that's getting whatever says in a year, oh, if I go over here, I can get this. You can recruit your players every year. Yeah. The, the, don't think he's with you. He might be with you one year. For now. For right now. Yeah. And so all that becomes part of the puzzle. Is that to you? Because we've seen some coaches who are getting older mm. who go, nope, not for me. I'm out. We see it in basketball. We see it in college football. There was kind of a cycle of guys who went, transfer portal, NIL, I'm out. Like, that's got to be an energy drain. It's... It's not an energy, Jane. It's 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 something else on your plate now. And and it's you know the student athlete, whether we like it or not, has a voice. Yeah. And they have power. They've been empowered. 
Now, they got to learn how to do it as well. They got to learn how to use the power for the betterment of their sport. Yeah. You know, not just for you personally, but for the betterment of the sport 20 years from now so your kids, your kids can reap some of these benefits. Yeah. Right? And they don't, sometimes they don't think about that. Yeah, there's not a lot of long-term thinking that goes on. Not not when money gets involved. Yeah. Money is always the thing that, you know, can can be troublesome. Herm Edwards, Arizona State head coach with us. Quarterback position, how are you feeling about it right now? We have competition, but we have a veteran guy that has played in, in 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 a big conference, too. You know, so um, you always hate to lose your quarterback, but we were able to get one too. So I like what I see thus far. How can we build it around whoever that guy is, right? Mm -hmm. And so there'll be competition the first week or so, uh, and then we got to make a decision because you only have so many practices. You only get so many reps. You got to get your number one and number two ready to play. Do you think that quarterback position is different with the portal? in that if a guy's not playing somewhere, he's not likely to stay if there's opportunity somewhere else. At that position in particular, it feels like we have seven transfer quarterbacks, I think, that may start this season in the Pac-12. feels like that's kind of just going to be what it is. Yeah. For it's going to be hard to keep a really good number two. Yeah. Because of – but you always felt that way. You, you, before, you used, to feel, you used to feel this way. You ain't going to keep three of them. Yeah. One of them's going to leave. Now two, it's two. two, 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 two. Two might stay because yeah. the guy's going to graduate or, you know. Yeah. I, I, but now it's like I got an opportunity to go somewhere else and then maybe get paid. Right. They're going to leave. Yeah, we can all see it, right? It's happening and we can all see it. And, yeah. and that, But it's conflicting because on one hand, I, I, you talk about the empowerment of athletes, and I like that part yeah, of it. I do too. But then I go, well, wait a minute. I want you to be empowered, but I also want you to be wise. You know? That's that in, 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 in you know. Uh, when you deal with young people and then prestige and a dollar value is to that, how do they navigate that? And who are the people that are helping them navigate that beside you as the coach? Yeah. You know, who are the other factors that are in the room that you don't know? Yeah. And that's, that's the hard part. What position group do you feel the strongest about, most confident about? On our team? Yeah. Uh, probably the defensive line. I, I think the offensive line as well because of the um, the experience they have playing. Now, they haven't played together. Mm-hmm. That's the key. But you like the groups. I do. Like the players. Mm-hmm. That's good because I, I haven't heard a lot of that today. If you got an offensive line, defensive line, you can win games. Uh, that's how you got to build it. Pressure on Herm Edwards this year. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Uh, there's pressure on me every year. I put my own pressure on me <laughs> every year. I, mean, I like that. You know, I, I just do. I, I just think that, you know what, I've always said this, and I learned this from um, from one of my coaches. It's not pressure if you're prepared. It's not pressure if you're prepared. Herm Edwards, uh, Las Vegas not thinking much of Arizona State. Coming up next, I'll talk about the over-under win totals in college football that are on the board now and who I really like. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
John Wilner is the uh, guru of the Pac-12 conference when it comes to reporting. San Jose Mercury News reporter and former uh, colleague of mine. Uh, I worked at the Mercury News with Wilner. I was covering the NFL and Major League Baseball. He was on the Pac-12. And uh, we put our heads together and we announced this last week on this radio program that we have started a podcast Kanzano and Wilner, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, you can find it on SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you find a podcast, you can find Kanzano and Wilner. Uh, give it a look, subscribe, it's free, you should. It is a production of Alpha Media, so the uh, Empire, the station that you're listening to, is uh, played a hand in the production of this thing, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about the Pac-12 conference and taking some of the conversations that we have on air in greater depth in a podcast. So if you're into the Pac-12, if you're into college football, grab Kanzano uh, and Wilner. You can subscribe now at Apple Podcasts. Uh, Stephen, let's talk for a second here, uh, and Sean as well, about Herm Edwards and about what we learned at Media Day. And I know you heard the David Shaw interview, Stephen, and I want to play a piece of this because we, you and I talked about this off air. David Shaw talked about sort of being in the weeds a little bit and lying in the weeds a little bit. And he was really, I think, interested in in uh, talking about uh, his team. And I want to cue up uh, a clip here. David Shaw talking about being a tiger in the weeds, so to speak, for people who, uh, who are interested in metaphors. David Shaw feeling it a little bit, maybe feeling like they underachieved a little bit last year. I don't know. Uh, Stephen, could you punch up that clip of David Shaw talking about being a tiger in the weeds? Ah, uh, yes. Oh, I see where you put him. I was looking in a different folder. I got it right here. You got it. Go Feeling ahead. like a tiger sitting in the weeds right okay. now. Okay. Um, kind of, I think we're kind of under underappreciated, undervalued, which as a coach, you know, you, it's, kind of, it's kind of cool. Um, but at the same time, I think it gives our team a little bit of an edge. Yeah. Um, that people don't expect much from us. and you, But as you say, you look at the way we've recruited, you look at the guys that we have, you go through all the uh, preseason NFL stuff where people are projecting guys and you start hearing about, well, look, look at the Stanford receivers, the Stanford quarterback, the Stanford tight end. You know, might have one of the top corners in America on your side and the linebacking core. So I think we've got a lot of the pieces and hopefully we can put it together this year. Stanford's over-under in Vegas for total wins this season is four and a half. They're one of the teams that jump off the board at me because I think you heard what I heard there. Uh, I think David Shaw disappointed in the season they had a year ago, three and nine. They know they got to do better. But he's got way too much talent to not be like a five-win, six-win team. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he went out of his way to say we're very talented and nobody's talking about us. You need to watch out for us. Like it was kind of a warning shot. I thought John that he sent out to the whole conference and just the whole area. Just we're a good team and no one is talking about us. Like why, why is that? We are a team that have been to the BCS games. We've done 10, nine, 10 wins. A lot of these years, I liked what David Shaw had to say. And it makes me think that that four and a half number that you mentioned is going to be way over. They've got Colgate. That's one win, right? They should win that game. I think they're one of these teams where you could pick them to win any game and nobody would laugh at you. Like, you could pick them to win at Washington. You could pick them to win at Oregon. Hell, they've given Oregon fits over the year. You could pick them to win, uh, you know, against BYU or Cal, and, you know, nobody would laugh at you for that. Or Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington State, like, they're in that. But 
Uh, they play USC early in the season. What are you looking for there, Stephen? I mean, John, I cannot wait to bet Stanford plus the points in that game. It's <laughs> it's at it's at Stanford. I can't wait for USC to win by about 45 against Rice in week one, and everyone drinking the Kool-Aid of Lincoln Riley, all these transfers are going to work. And then they go into Stanford where they're going to slow it down and be physical and Davis Shaw type football. And I can't wait to bet Stanford in the points. USC may pull out and win that game. I'm not saying that, but I think Stanford's going to be able to keep it close. I do think the talent is there. Davis Shaw mentioned in your interview, they lost two guys to the transfer portal. That's it. Only two. And that's such a big thing nowadays is that transfer portal of losing players. Stanford didn't lose anybody. They have a lot of talent. They're a top 20, 25 recruiting team that they usually are. I mean, John, I think this team is should at least get to six and maybe going to pull off some upsets. We saw last year. They played Oregon tough. They beat them. I think they're going to give USC a run for their money at least a week, too. USC over-under is nine wins. That's where they are on the board. And uh, for people looking and going, okay, what is Vegas thinking about? I think Vegas is looking at the game at Utah. I think they're looking at Notre Dame. And I think they might be looking at the Oregon State game as a potential loss on USC's schedule. Like, you know, could Oregon State get them in back-to-back years? I'm I'm not going to touch this one, and I'm not going to advise anybody to touch it because I feel like USC is probably an eight- to nine-win team. Like, I think that line is set pretty accurately. I don't think they're going to do better than nine wins, and I think the best you could do there is a push if you're betting the over. Uh, and I think the under is probably a better bet because I don't see them as a 10, 11, 12-win team in the regular season, and I think you could make some money if USC has some issues getting the, the talent to gel and maybe they win eight, maybe they win seven and have an off year in Lincoln Riley's first year. Am I, am I too down on USC, guys? I don't think so at all, and I don't know what Sean thinks, but when you talk about that, I think USC has such a high ceiling and a low floor because – We've never seen it in college football with all these transfers coming in, especially at the skill positions. We've seen it in the basketball where transfers can work in the year one. We've never seen it in football. You know, transfer portal is so new, but USC, most of their main guys that are going to be on offense are all from different schools the year before. So with the new coach, new players, is it going to take a little bit to gel? I don't know. And so I'm very, I'm very concerned if I'm a USC fan for year one. I think the expectations are a little too high for them. Uh, I do like Lincoln Riley as a coach. I think he's going to get them on the right track, and they're going to be a college football playoff team very soon. But I think this is the year, if you want to bet against USC, this is the year to do it. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity there. There was, uh, you know, Bill Plaschke of the LA Times wrote a column off Media Day in which he said, this is the most talked about team in LA. We're talking about the Rams coming off a Super Bowl, the Dodgers being a power, the Lakers being the Lakers. Platchkey's writing that USC is the team, and the pressure's on Lincoln Riley. And I have to say, like, I was there. I, I spent some time with Lincoln Riley. I didn't want to like him. I liked him more than I wanted to. You know, uh, Caleb Williams, uh, I find the whole, you know, the error of USC obnoxious. I got to say that I walked away from my interview with Caleb Williams a little bit underwhelmed with him. I feel like he's not a guy who understands team in the ways that some other quarterbacks do. And I think a great contrast to that was I think Cameron Ward, Washington State's quarterback, came in. We talked about name, image, likeness. We talked about the transfer portal. He talked about getting out and throwing with guys and being around his teammates and trying to get his offensive linemen more name, image, likeness money. And I found, like, I think guys will follow Cameron Ward. Like Washington State's players, I think he's a natural leader. They'll follow him. 
Caleb Williams is buying like Dre Beats headphones for his teammates, and he's doing all the the things that are gesture like. But I also thought it was really interesting. I don't know if you guys caught this in our interview Friday. I asked him about other sports he played. They were all individual sports. He plays football as a team sport, but everything else he did was swimming and whatever else. It was all individual. And I wonder at some point, especially in a year where you have so many transfers on offense, how does that guy bring everybody together? I kind of wonder if USC is going to struggle with sort of just the culture of the program. And, you know, and I think Lincoln Riley will get there, but year one, I would not be surprised if USC in the first half of the season loses a couple games they shouldn't lose. Yeah, USC is going to be a really interesting case study um, of just chemistry, how much it matters, like chemistry versus talent, because we haven't really seen a team put together like this, at least that I can remember in college football, like kind of just a, a huge mix of talented transfer portal players. Um, I, I'm personally probably higher on USC than um, both you, John, and Steven. Uh, I think they just have a ton of talent. Obviously, they added some really dynamic guys. And we have to remember that their team last year was talented. Like, they, they've always recruited pretty well. And, you know, last year, them only getting, you know, their their season last year wasn't really an indication of their talent. It felt like everyone just kind of gave up when Clay Helton uh, got fired. So I think this team's unbelievably talented. I don't really think Lincoln Riley's ever had a bad team, like a non-college football playoff team. So I think they're going to be really good in year one. I'd probably take the over in the nine wins. I don't think their schedule is is that tough, avoiding Oregon. And John, yeah. you talked about Caleb Williams. It, he came across as trying to be a professional quarterback almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like you talk about buying be- the beats by Dre headphones for his teammates. It's not like the classic, you know, camaraderie, uh, chemistry type thing. It's, you know what, I'm going to buy you guys these things. I'm looking to forward my career into the NFL. It, it seemed a little more professional uh, just with all the money around college football. And maybe that's going to be more commonplace but it really did seem that way that he was almost trying to, you know, portray himself as that franchise quarterback already. Yeah, they were, you know, I, I think they were trying to get him in a position where, you know, they were trying to connect him with media. But this is what people didn't see. He showed up in a Gucci suit. I did not bring it up in the interview. Okay. There were some other players that were there in a in sweatpants and polo shirts and sneakers. And Caleb Williams came in a suit that had the obviously the Gucci lab label on his wrist, and he set his hand on the table, and I think he wanted me to ask him about it, and I didn't, and we just started talking, and and, and I want to hold it against him because you know I, God forbid, like I was interviewed as a college kid, like I would have embarrassed myself, like back in the day, put me at like at 21, 22 years old in front of a microphone and a camera, I would have embarrassed myself. And I think he conducted himself just fine. But I just left the interview fighting, little wrestling a little bit with whether or not uh, my, and and I told Anna this, like I saw her that night and she said, what interviews stuck with you? And I, and I talked about Dan Lanning, had a fantastic interview with Dan Lanning. I think it was great. Lanning texted me on Friday night, he said, the interview we did was the most fun I had, and I agree. It was the most fun interview that I did all day long. We talked about movies and Goonies and his kids, and it was in a little bit of football, and it was great. But the other interview I told her about was Caleb Williams. And I said, I'm not going to be surprised if this guy doesn't become what everybody expects him to become. And frankly, the expectations for him it's like the name Patrick Mahomes has come comes up when people talk about Caleb Williams, and we're talking about a guy that, you know, yeah, he threw for 1,900 yards and 21 touchdowns, 
But we're talking about a guy that, what, has seven starts last year at Oklahoma? Like, and, and I think that it's a to-be-determined situation. He's in a great offense with a great coach who knows how to put him in position to succeed. But I'm not going to be surprised if he's not the first-team all-conference quarterback at the end of the year. I left thinking more about Cam Rising and Cameron Ward than I did about Caleb Williams. And, yeah. and I think that could be a problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Cam Ward came across really well. And in his interview, you know, uh, he talked about just how he needs to get better knowing his teammates, right? Because he's coming in from Incarnate Ward. He doesn't know his teammates as well as he needs to know them. He needs to get that better. He has all the, he even said, like, basically, I feel comfortable on the field with all the things going on, but I need to get them to know better. You know, it's it's two different philosophies. I don't know what's going to work, but it will be interesting to see what happens this year. All right, here, here's something else, too. Like, when you talk about Caleb Williams and you talk about what he did last year, he started seven games, okay? You know, he started games against ranked opponents three times in the regular season. He went one and two in those games. He lost to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. He lost to Baylor. And I, I, keep, I, go, I keep thinking back and going, you know, I, I, of course he's talented. You take him on your team 100 times out of 100 times. But I, there's something going on there. There's some spider senses tingling that are telling me that maybe the kid struggles a little bit. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the lack of offensive linemen last season at USC bites the Trojans a little bit on this one. I, I, I think, Sean, look, I'm not going to begrudge you. You could end up being smart for saying over nine wins. I just keep, I, I keep seeing seven or eight, maybe nine. I think, not, not more. I think Duck fans, you know, obviously Mario Cristobal was gone by then, but he he dominated the Ducks uh, in the Alamo Bowl last yes, year. Looking did. at his stats, twenty one of twenty seven, two forty two, and three touchdowns. So, yeah. I, I know that was kind of a depleted and kind of mentally drained Oregon team, but I really liked what I saw from him there. So, yeah. uh, you know, no, there was no cave on Thibodeau. Oregon was, you know, Oregon didn't make the didn't beat Utah. Or Oregon's end of the season with Mario Cristobal gone. I just think it was. You know, not a good comparison for what we're going to see this year. But I don't blame you for buying it. Let's see who's right in the end. You saying over? Sean is saying over. He, he's got a phone call now. Sean, yeah. Sean's the over. I, I with you, John. I think the under is would be my bet. I think they got eight wins written all over him. Uh, we'll take your phone calls. Five zero three four one seven seventy five seventy five. Plus later in the show, John Gaines the third, Catman. UCLA's offensive lineman, John Gaines. I'm going to play a little bit of that interview coming up. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth radio show. Thanks for listening.